And here we go, everybody. Another edition of Jamal About Sports coming to you on a Friday, March 20th, 2020. As we uh, kick off a show under uh, extremely trying and uh, scary times, frankly. Um... This is going to be a different kind of show than the normal shows. We'll do some sports. We're going to do a lot of music here on today's show as well. Just kind of uh, freestyling it, so to speak. Um, and I, we kicked the show off with uh, Time Zone is the name of the quote-unquote group or band. It's really Johnny Lydon slash Johnny Rotten from the Sex Pistols and then Public Image Limited, PIL. The front man for both of those groups, obviously the Sex Pistols being the seminal punk rock band. And then that's Africa Bombada from uh, hip-hop uh, and New York City hip-hop fame. Uh, Africa Bombada and the Soul Sonic Force, Rock Rock to the Planet Rock, which was a basically a sample of a song called Trans Europe Express by the German alt-rock group Kraftwerk. So lots of uh, interconnectivity going on there. Um, the song was from 1984, and um, sadly, this past weekend, my favorite restaurant in the world, Gotham Bar and Grill, which opened in 1984, uh, closed its doors uh, last Saturday night after 36 years of being a New York City institution and staple um, a place that was uh, a source of you know, many fine and fun celebrations um, with my family, my parents, family, friends, uh, many dates I took there when I was trying to impress uh, a young lady, certainly took them there, uh, birthdays, Christmas type celebration dinners, been there with buddies for drinks, um, they had a change in head chef probably, what, I guess it's six months ago now. Uh, and uh, apparently didn't go over that well. And look, they, they, did not, they didn't close because of coronavirus. Uh, restaurant been in business that long and as successful as them. You know, a bad week wasn't going to sink them. Uh, there were other underlying issues. But what was so great about that place, first of all, again, it opened in 1984. Uh, on East 12th Street in Manhattan, um, between uh, Fifth Avenue and University Place, and um, what was great about it, and there's a lot of things that were great about it. I mean, the food is phenomenal. Alfred Portelli was the original founder and original head chef. He's since opened his own place called Portelli, um, I believe, on 21st Street in Chelsea. It's fantastic. I've been there uh, once already. Uh, Italian restaurants, great. Strongly recommend it. Anybody in the New York area wants to have a good meal when hopefully things get back to normal um but what was great about gotham barn grills you know 1984 that that area was always kind you know it's pretty nice area it wasn't quite as nice as it is now but um you know there weren't a lot of restaurants of, of that caliber in that area you know it's a place that routinely gets two and three star you know, three stars from the new york times uh food critic whomever that is whether i think but go you can go back to frank bruni sam sifton uh, Pete Wells recently gave it three stars with under the new chef. Um, but what's great about it is a lot of different things. The food, for sure, the way they p- presented their food, the plating, phenomenal. Um, the staff, amazing. Joe Schur, the uh, maitre d' there, one of the best guys I know. 
having grown up in the restaurant business, been a lot, been around restaurant people my whole life, and uh, lucky to know some really good ones. And uh, he's certainly at the top of the list. Um, you know, the service spot on, tremendous, great wine list. Um, but was great. One of the other things that was great about it is you could go there and sit and eat at the bar and they had these actually these custom made special sort of like TV dinner trays almost that they would affix to where you sat at the bar. Um, and you could go and, you know, in jeans and a t-shirt essentially, or if you wanted to sit at a table, uh, and get dressed up and wear a suit and a tie or a sport coat. Uh, and if you're a woman, you know, wear a nice dress, whatever, you could certainly do that too. It was, uh, it was certainly fine dining, but never stuffy, never pretentious, uh, always welcoming, always warm, always friendly. And um, sadly, it is uh, yet another symbol of the New York City that, uh, that I grew up with and, and loved. Uh, you know, another chunk of that has gone away. Now, Given what's going on in the world today, certainly uh, very small <laughs> uh, as far as list of problems are concerned, but uh, felt like I would uh, mention that. And we are going to, is in honor of Gotham Bar and Grill, uh, we'll be playing songs throughout the show from 1984, um, its first year uh, in business. We will talk some sports. Obviously, it's very strange. There are no sports really to be watched. There are no live sports to be watched. Every major sporting uh, league event is shut down. And obviously, right, that's sort of one of the cruel ironies of this situation is that typically in, in times of, of great uh, nationwide unrest, angst, um, nervousness, you know, um, tragedy, sadness. Sports always act as one of our great outlets and our great escapes. And obviously that is not the case now. You know, I remember when 9-11 happened, the game, that first game back, that Friday night at Shea Stadium, and I'm, I'm getting choked up just thinking about it. When Mike Piazza hit that home run, I mean, it seems seemingly small. Um, but I was getting ready to drive up to a memorial service for a friend of mine who had died the next day and uh, to drive up to Worcester. And those three or so hours and when Liza Minnelli sang the national anthem and Jay Payton hugged her, it was tremendous. And it was a great, uh, it was a great outlet and escape. And we, we unfortunately don't have that now. Um, you know, and it's necessary, of course, you got to have it. It's got to be done. And listen, anybody out there who's listening, if you think this thing is still not real and serious, please, I beg of you, take this seriously. Stay at home. All right? If you don't have Netflix, get Netflix. Get Amazon. Get Hulu. Get them all if you can, if you have the means. You know, if you're married and you have kids, spend time with your, 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 your husband, your wife, your children. Play board games. You know, we got to figure out ways to uh, to pass the time here. And so sports is not one of those options right now. Um, you know, if you're a basketball fan, college basketball fan, if you're a Maryland fan, you're listening to this, Big Ten Network is showing the Maryland 2002 National Championship. They showed it at 
At one, they're showing, or no, they showed it at three, they're showing again at five, and they're showing again at eight. And then in between, they showed a little recap of the season, um, the two seasons prior that led to that. And it's it's a phenomenal, you know, really just uh, enjoyable trip down memory lane. I mean, and it's, it's hard to believe that was 18 years ago. <laughs> I mean, geez, it does not seem like that long ago, but... Which, you know, I think you can take comfort in that too. Usually when I look back on something like that and I'm like, wow, how the hell was that 18 years ago? That's so long ago. I'm getting old. But when it particularly doesn't seem like it was that long ago. AG and I were talking on the phone the other night. He was watching the Yes Network for Yankee fans out there that get Yes Network. Yes Network was showing the playoff game between the Royals and the, and the Yankees when Chris Chambliss hit that walk-off home run. In the booth, Keith Jackson, Howard Cosell, and a player guest announcer, one Reginald Martinez Jackson. <laughs> and they're panning through the audience, and there's Telly Savalas in a fur coat, because this is when it used to actually be cold in New York in October. <laughs> and it was just, it's just gold. And it literally transports you right back to being, you know, in what, 1976, uh, seven years old, eight years old. Um, but, you know, I guess the upside of that is hopefully. If things start to, to stabilize here as far as coronavirus is concerned, and it's, it's say, July, let's say, let's say it's August. I mean, I believe me, I seem like, it, it, I, I understand it seems like it's a long ways away, but it, it'll be here before you know it. I'm not saying it's easy. It's going to be hard. We're, we're all going to have to do our part, but it'll be here. We'll, we'll get through it. I mean, listen, I'm looking out my window right now. It's about 5 o'clock on a Friday afternoon. And the trees are blooming in my neighborhood. It's sunny. It's about 65 degrees. I mean, you would not think that they're, what's happening in the world is happening. So it's almost counterintuitive. Um, so, yeah, you know, listen, load up on old sporting events. Find the ones in your, in your area for your teams that, that interest you, that if, if you need your sports fix. I got to tell you, it's strange. I'm not, I'm not missing so much the day-to-day sports like i i'm missing right now that feeling of oh baseball season would be happening soon and being kind of excited about the mets um you know i you know obviously you know i'm a huge golf fan right the the tpc was supposed to be last week they canceled it i was supposed to be on a golf trip this weekend celebrating my boy mark greco's 55th birthday down in stream song outside of tampa Obviously, we canceled that trip. Um, you know, the Masters is, was supposed to be happening in a couple of weeks, which is always sort of an annual, you know, to me, that's kind of the f- official beginning of spring. I know today on the calendar is technically the first day of spring, but to me, the Masters always signifies spring. I mean, you, you know, if you're a golf fan, right, there's nothing better than watching the Masters, just purely from a, a, an aesthetic and visual standpoint, right? It's, that place is gorgeous. Um, and you hear the birds chirping, which certainly is probably a little bit piped in and maybe not all that natural, but nevertheless, you hear the birds chirping. If it's the weather's nice, you see the sun shining, reflecting off Hogan's Pond and the azaleas and all the, all the beauty that is that golf course. Uh, and we're not going to be able to see that. So really, the only major sporting event, if you will, is NFL free agency. And so that took place this week. It's still ongoing. You know, it's sort of, they had this idiotic, you know, it was supposed to be official on Wednesday, but they have this idiotic, quote unquote, legal tampering 
uh, period that begin that began on Monday. So um, you know the big national news, of course, is that Tom Brady will not be returning to the Patriots after 20 years, uh, and frankly, 20 years of excellence, right? Six Super Bowls, and again, anybody's listening to the show knows I'm no fan of the Patriots or of Tom Brady. Um, thought it was kind of cold blooded the way he <laughs> his timing. I mean, he picked St. Patrick's Day, which in Boston is, you know, I don't know if it's bigger in New York City or Boston. It may be a tie, but that, that, is, that is a big holiday in the city of Boston. And he chose St. Patrick's Day to say goodbye to the Pats fans, uh, you know, and a St. Patrick's Day where there was no parade and obviously no bars open to go drink to drown one's sorrows because of coronavirus. And he left to go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, one of the cheesiest jokes of a franchise historically in the NFL that you could find. Uh, worst, Maybe the worst uniforms in sports. I mean, just god-awful. I mean, they should just go back. I mean, it's funny. Their original uniforms used to kind of get made fun of, but at least they had some personality to them. I mean, this latest iteration that's been around for the last several years is just god-awful. Brown and orange and whatever. It's just terrible. Um, With the bad numbers and the just... I mean, look, uniforms in general are going the way of the dinosaur. I mean, they're just... There's very few that are any good anymore. The NBA has ruined all uniforms. I mean, I don't... don't, Even storied franchises like the Celtics barely wear a recognizable uniform anymore. Every team's got 17 different uniform permutations now in the NBA. Half of them look like little kids' summer pajamas with the the short sleeves instead of the tank tops and the stupid logos, and they look thin and flimsy. They're terrible. But anyway, I digress. Uh... So Brady goes to Tampa Bay. Now look, on paper, consider you know, assuming he can still play, which he did not look very good down the stretch last year. Now, to be fair, you know, he didn't have uh, a ton of weapons, but supposedly that's been the great thing about Brady, right? Is he makes all these guys that aren't any good, so he makes them great somehow. You know, other than Gronk and the one year he had Moss, um, you know, the offensive line is always kind of, you know, sort of spotty, but Dante Scarnecchia, the offensive line coach, always manages to coax great play out of mostly unknown guys. It's called they're allowed to get away with holding. Um, And, uh, you know, so he's going to a place with weapons. I mean, Chris Godwin had a monster year last year, wide receiver, uh, drafted at Penn State a couple years ago. Um, Mike Evans, who I'm not a huge fan of, he's kind of a one-trick pony, but he's good at that one-trick pony, which is he catches touchdowns and he's a big body receiver and he boxes guys out. Uh, you know, Cameron Brayton, O.J. Howard, form a pretty good one-two punch at tight end, and they've got the coach Bruce Arians, who's an excellent offensive coach. Um, so, on paper, it seems that it's a good marriage and a good match, um, but. I think, you know, there's still some major question marks as to whether or not... I mean, look, Brady is 100% not the player he was even three years ago. He's just not. Um, I understand he eats, you know, avocado ice cream and has an insane, you know, physical fitness regimen and all this other stuff. Uh, You know, he's going to be, what, 43 next year? Father time, still undefeated. So that was the big news. Um, And now I guess we can kick it over to the Lions, who... 
just really continue. Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia just continue to show that um, their plan is just make it up as we go along. Um, Bob Quinn in particular, as each year goes by, continues to show how overmatched he is in this job. Um, And you can see that by the fact that he keeps throwing money at the same positions over and over and over again, keeps drafting the same positions over and over and over again because he never gets them right. So three years ago, just three years ago, and look, I understand the NFL, there's you know 40% roster turnover for every team every year. I get it. I understand that. But this is more than that. Three years ago, he completely remade the right side of the offensive line, right? By not even giving a, a, an offer to Larry Warford, who went on, who's gone on to be, who was very good for the Lions when he wasn't hurt, and he did play hurt, but when he was healthy, he was a stud at right guard. Now has been starting for the Saints for the last three years. Best offensive football. wasn't good enough for the Lions, but for the Saints somehow he's good enough because Bob Quinn knows they let Riley Reef go. And oh, and so they signed T.J. Lang. Who look, I love T.J. Lang, the guy. He was hilarious when he did that show where he would interview different players on a team, talking with T.J. Hard worker, solid player in the league. He wasn't very good for the Lions, and it was not surprising that he wasn't going to be very good for the Lions because he was older and he was coming off an injury. And I'll say it a million times, Bob Quinn, if you're listening, which I know he's not, but Bob Quinn. Do not sign guys who are 30 coming off injuries. They're not less likely to get hurt. Again, they're more likely to get hurt again. He made the same exact mistake this past offseason with another former Packer, Mike Daniels. Guy coming off multiple leg and foot injuries. And guess what? He had multiple leg and foot injuries for the Lions this year and was non-existent. Did absolutely nothing. Gave the Lions zero. That's not Mike Daniels' fault. That's Bob Quinn's fault for signing him in the first place. So, Larry Warford, goodbye for TJ Lang. Riley Reef, goodbye for Rick Wagner. Rick Wagner, awful from day one. They made him the highest paid right tackle in football. He was terrible. Terrible. He was a terrible player. Against the elite pass rushers in that division, Daniil Hunter and Khalil Mack, to name two, he got dominated. Now, I understand those guys are great players. And you're going to lose some your, your fair share of reps against those guys. But you can't get dominated. I'm sorry. Not when you're the highest paid right tackle in football. you got to win your fair share. Rick Wagner just wasn't very good. Nice guy, quiet, lunch pail guy, hard worker. Just didn't play very well. So the Lions cut him. And now they just gave another huge contract to a right tackle. Some guy named Vietaviapapula Vitae, who basically has been a backup swing tackle for the Eagles. Can play both left and right tackle. But not never been a full-time starter. Yes, he played well after Jason Peters got hurt the year the Eagles won the Super Bowl. So his tape, his performance in a small sample size has been solid. Not great, solid. Better run blocker than pass blocker. But again, look what Bob Quinn just had to do. He just had to commit $45 million to right tackle when three years ago he did the same thing to Rick Wat- with Rick Wagner. And now they let Graham Glasgow walk, one of the few successes Bob Quinn has had as a general manager, third-round pick out of Michigan, who has started full seasons at left guard, right guard, and center, and played admirably and capably at all three positions, played really well at right guard this year. Lunch pail guy again, hard worker, versatile, 
Lions made no effort to keep him. Why? Because Bob Quinn's philosophy is you don't pay guards. Like the Lions are in any position to be parsing and being picky about what positions they can pay. You don't have a lot of good players. Whoever the good players are, you need to keep those good players. So now the Lions will definitely have to use a draft pick on a guard or maybe sign another guy from the scrap heap and hope that they can, you know, like a Kenny Wiggins and hope that they can, you know, squeak by, which makes no sense. And then they traded Darius Slay, which everybody saw coming because Darius Slay is an independent thinker and he has a big personality. And Matt Patricia, apparently, uh, according to Darius Slay, you know, Darius Slay's a big social media guy. He's on Twitter all the time. You know, he's this is this is that generation. Look, I don't like it. I'm not a fan of the Twitter every two seconds. I'm not a fan of the jersey exchange after games, particularly when you just lost the game. I think it's a bad look. That's not my generation, but guess what? I'm an old crank. I get it. I'm 50. That's not my generation. That's what these guys do. But guess what Darius Slay also is? He was a hell of a cornerback. He was extremely well-liked by his teammates and a really good guy in the community. He and his wife did a ton of stuff for charity in the Detroit community. So who the hell cares about the other stuff? At the end of the day, it's not like he's a bad guy and couldn't play. He's a good guy and could play. You get over it. See the trick? One of the things to being that makes a good head coach is the ability to get along with personalities different than yours, to get along with players who don't necessarily fit the exact model that you think a player should be as far as their approach to the game and their personality. You need to be able to get along with multiple people. Any person in leadership in any walk of life who's any who's worth their salt even a little bit knows that. Not Matt Patricia. Nope. He knows better. So apparently two years ago, his first season as head coach, Darius Slade, by the way, was coming off an all-pro, not Pro Bowl. Pro Bowl is meaningless. All-pro season, which means he's one of the top corners in the whole sport, and the film backed it up. Matt Patricia called him out in front of the team one of, there was a, some picture of Darius Slane, like an, another wide receiver from the NFL, like palling around. And Matt Patricia said, well, you know, why don't you spend less time sucking his blank and actually trying to be good or something like that? And Slade couldn't believe it, set him off. Glover Quinn, who is, uh, who, by the way, one of the best free agent signings Lions have ever had and a class act all the way, he also left the Lions can't stand Matt Patricia. And Glover Quinn wasn't exactly a loudmouth. He was a keep-your-nose-down, keep-your-head-down-keep-your-nose-clean kind of guy and was a hell of a player until, you know, it just went on him. And then that, that, that happens, and then that was it for him. But the, the, he gave the Lions three excellent seasons. But anyway, he had to calm Darius Slay down. And then apparently in the offseason the next year, Slay went out to California to work out with Richard Sherman, you know, arguably one of the best cornerbacks in the league the last 10 years. Xavier Rhodes, who, you know, overrated but a good player for the Vikings, also a cornerback, and Aqib Tlaib. Again, another overrated guy. Guy gets called for holding 17 times a season. You know, got away with murder, of course, when he was with the Patriots. 
Um, and Patricia told Slay apparently that A, Richard Sherman was using him for information. And as Darius Slay pointed out, what what was I going to tell them that they don't already know themselves about our receivers? They watch film. They know what our offense does. I mean, it, you know, and, and by the way, I don't know the plays of our offense. I know route combinations. That's about it. And then, and, and that, and that, those guys were elite, and Slay was a good player, but not elite. I mean, what, what kind of idiocy is that? Gee, that's a great way to motivate one of your best players, isn't it? And I understand there's two sides to every story. And maybe he was joking around, as all these Lions uh, slappies on Twitter are, are pointing out, and all these people that, for some reason, have cast their lot with Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia, who, by the way, his combined record is 9-22-1 in the two seasons they've both been the general manager and the head coach. And Bob Quinn's best season was with Martin Mayhew and Jim Caldwell's players. The one time they made the playoffs. And then the line signed, what well, they, they signed, Danny Shelton, former Patriot. Jamie Collins, former Patriot. Traded for Duran Harmon, Patriot. I mean, <laughs> and look, Danny Shelton's not a bad player. He should be, he, he, he's not as good as, as Snacks Harrison was at his elite level, but he'll be better than what Snacks Harrison gave the lines last year. Snacks Harrison just didn't have it last year. Guy suited up, went out there every week, just didn't have it. It happens. Again, older guy, big guy, carrying 345 pounds, it's tough. And you have nagging injuries, it's hard. I have no issues with Snacks. He, he, he did the best he could. Just didn't have a very good year. He was great the year before, after the Lions traded for him. And then they signed Jamie Collins, 30 years old, outside linebacker, sort of plays all over the field as in a linebacker, versatile player. Danny Shelton's claim to fame is he was sort of un- you know an, an unknown, came from Southern Miss, I, I believe a school that went 0-13, and that was supposedly one of the reasons why you know, he was drafted later than he maybe should have been is because the team was so bad and they don't play a high caliber, a high level of competition. But he was a very good player for the Patriots. Then they got sick of him. Um, and then also because he wanted to get paid. So they traded him to the Browns. Of course, the Browns gave up a King's ransom for him. And then he was terrible for the Browns. Absolutely awful. Flat out awful. And then the Browns cut him. And the Patriots picked him up as an afterthought last year, so much so, by the way, that he was wearing number eight in preseason as a linebacker, made the team, and ended up having a very good year for the Patriots last year. But he's 30 years old. Lions just gave him three years, $30 million. Explain to me, why would the Lions need a linebacker? I mean, it seems weird. They they signed, um, um, not Marvin Jones, it's Christian Jones, two years ago, and then gave him inexplicably an extension during the season last year. They drafted Jared Davis in the first round three years ago. They drafted Jelani Tavai in the second round last year. I mean, you drafted Jalen Reeves maybe in the fourth round three years ago. I mean, Bob Quinn has invested heavily in the linebacker position, but none of those guys are any good. So you got to now go spend $30 million on a 30-year-old linebacker who's proven one thing. He can't play for any other team other than the Patriots. shouldn't say he's proven one thing, but one of the things that he has proven is that he can't play for any other team other than the Patriots. 
We think it's going to be different in Detroit than it was in Cleveland. Why? Oh, because the great Matty P is there? Get lost. And a line signed Desmond Trufant. Look, if this was 2016, I'd be like, yeah, great. Nice pickup. Former corner from the Falcons. Matter of fact, I think I, I remember an old show where I, I praised he and, and, uh, and uh, Robert Alford, the other corner out of Southeast Louisiana. I think I think I talked spoke highly of them pre uh, well no I remember saying that Trufant was going to miss the Super Bowl against the Patriots that was going to be a big uh, that that bared watching he's an okay player but he's been hurt recently Lines gave him ten million a year Slay wanted a new contract with around fifteen million a year Slay's a much better player than all uh, than Trufant is. You know, Deron Harmon is a safety. The Lions had to use a fifth-round draft pick. Well, if you just would have kept Condre Diggs, you wouldn't need to do that, would you? Or if Will Harris, who you drafted, who you overdrafted in the third round last year, was any good, you wouldn't be trading for another safety. And then they signed another safety, who's basically a special teams guy, J. Ron Curse from the Vikings, I guess because they're going to replace Miles Killebrew, another draft pick by Quinn, who didn't work out. I mean, you see the pattern here? All of his, most of his signings or draft picks aren't any good. And he has to constantly replace them year after year after year. It's an endless cycle. It's ridiculous. And by the way, can we also knock off that Tracy Walker is the second coming of Ronnie Lott, please? Lions fans and Lions beat writers. Okay, I mean, how, how much longer is he going to rest on an interception against the 49ers two years ago that didn't even count because it was called back by, by penalty? Granted, the penalty wasn't on him, but, I mean, he had an okay year last year. He was also the starting free safety on one of the worst defenses in football. So how good could he have possibly, how well could he have possibly played? I seem to remember him getting burned for the game-time two-point conversion against the Cardinals. I seem to remember that. I mean, look, he looks like he's got some potential. He sure can fill out a uniform. I give him that. And I think that's a big reason why, by the way. He looks the part. And I think it's a big reason why Lions fans and Lions beat writers love this guy. But he hasn't done a thing in this league yet. Nothing. Now, he very well may turn into a good player. I'm not saying, you know, he's not Jared Davis. Okay? He's not a total bust. He's not Tease Tabor. And that's the other thing. You could get rid of Darius Slay. I could even, I mean, they should have gotten more than a third and a fifth round pick for him, given that the Jalen Ramsey got, uh, Jacksonville got two first round picks for Jalen Ramsey. And if you want to say Slay's not as good as Jalen Ramsey, okay, I guess I could, I, I would, might concede that argument. But if he is, he's, he's slightly just a, a, a notch below Jalen Ramsey. So you would think he would get, you could get at least a second and a fourth back for him, not a third and a fifth. That's number one. Number two, even if you want to buy into this idiotic notion that, you know, the Lions don't want to pay him because he's going to be 30. It's not like he's an old 30 either, by the way. But they didn't want to pay him because of the age and also he's not a culture fit as if the, as if, as if the Lions have any culture at all. As, as if Matt Patricia has established anything. He hasn't done a damn thing. Except go nine twenty two and one, that's his culture. But even if you want to try to buy that, I could buy that maybe if you had a ready made replacement in 
the guy that your GM took a second, made a, uh, spent a second round draft pick on a couple of years ago in Tease Tabor. Except Tease Tabor was so bad that he's not even in the, on the team anymore and is barely in the league. He's on the practice squad of the 49ers. They picked him up late in the season. And they all want to say, oh, the, you know, oh, it's the Patriot way. No. See, the Patriot way, first of all, the Patriots can be creeps and jerks to their players because they do win all the time. But second of all, I think there's a misconception out there that everybody has to act the same. No, the good players can do what I've seen. I think I've seen Tom Brady do jersey cha- exchanges at the end of games. Well, he's allowed to do it because he's Tom Brady. Well, Darius Slay is one of the Lions' best players. So why wouldn't he be allowed to do that, Matt Patricia? You can't get over your delicate sensibilities or so insulted by Darius Slay's jersey exchange that you couldn't make it work with one of the best players on your team. And again, a guy who's a happy-go-lucky guy. He's not a dour, you know, morose crank who complains all the time. He's actually exceedingly upbeat. He's a little goofy, okay. Not the end of the world. He's not a woman abuser. He's not a drug abuser. He doesn't have 19 DUIs on his record. Guy does a ton of good things in the community, but nope, not good enough for Matt Patricia. So, I mean, look, I'm really starting to question whether or not I stick with this team. Because I find Patricia and Bob Quinn so distasteful. Uh, it's, I, it's really hard to root for them. It really is. You know, the arrogance, the smartest, smartest person in the room syndrome. And then, obviously, the incompetence that goes with it. I mean, these guys, these guys don't know how to build a roster. They've not proven to be shrewd evaluators of talent. I mean, all you have to go on is the record, and the record is not good. I mean, Bob Quint's first year, they went 9-7. and seven. Again, that was Martin Mayhew's team, mostly. The second year they went nine and seven. Then they went six and ten, and they went three, twelve, and one last year. And yes, I understand Stafford got hurt, but Bob Quinn also also took the most cavalier approach to backup quarterback you could possibly take. So much so that now he overcompensated and just gave Chase Daniel thirteen million dollars for three years. I mean, <laughs> I guess you. I guess the. I guess the one. Silver lining, if you wanted to try to look at Bob Quinn glass half full, is that at least he's not afraid to admit his mistakes, I guess. All right, we'll take a short break. We'll be back right after this.
we're back on a surreal edition of Jamal About Sports. Coming back out of the break, the classic off the Outlandis, uh, sorry, Zenyatta Mandata album by The Police, When the World is Running Down, You Make the Best of What's Still Around. Certainly thought that was apropos, given what's going on. Obviously, started out with World Destruction by Time Zone, also apropos. Uh, talked about songs from 1984. World Destruction is definitely from 1984. I'm not sure. I don't, I'm not, you know what, let's see. I don't think Zenyatta Mandata came out in 84, but let's take a look, shall we? I think that was, let's see. Let's see. No, yeah, 1980. Wow. 1980, son of a gun. So that's, that's 40 years ago. (laughs) Okay. I remember listening to that song in my buddy's dorm room, whom I actually work with now. Weird sort of coincidence all these years later. A buddy of mine, my first semester in college, I went to UMBC for the first semester before I transferred to College Park at University of Maryland. And uh, there's a buddy of mine, a guy I made friends with, his name is Rocky. And uh, we used to hang in his room on Friday nights, me, my buddy Scott, uh, a couple others, Rocky's roommate, and a couple other dudes. And there was a conjoined suite, this guy Kelly Bell, who's actually a professional musician now. He was in the room next door. And we used to just, you know, drink a bunch of cheap beers and, like, grain alcohol and get, like, pizza movers, which is, like, a low-budget version of Domino's. <laughs> And that was one of the songs we used to uh, to jam out to and have a, have a good time. So trying to think of happier times here on uh, the Friday edition of Jamal About Sports. So let's go to some of the songs that were the hit songs of 1984, shall we? And some of them are good and some of them are pretty weak. So... Uh, let's hear it for the boy from the Footloose soundtrack, which was obviously the whole soundtrack was a major, major hit. Um, in fact, I remember my, my girlfriend at the time, uh, Zena was a huge fan of, uh, the Footloose soundtrack. I, of course, thought the whole premise of that movie was beyond ridiculous, right? What was I, about 15 you know, the idea that, you know, a guy would be into dancing, you know, I thought that that was, you know, uh, again, this is my, this these were my thoughts at the time, people, not today. So I thought that was quote unquote sissy stuff, which was how most uh, boys viewed <laughs> dancing as being the primary source of entertainment for another boy who was a teenager at the time. Uh, not saying it was right. That was just how I viewed the world back when I was 15 years old. So anyway, um, that was one. Uh, Doves Cry. You also had uh, Born in the USA was huge. The Bruce Springsteen album, Dancing in the Dark, with the uh, famous scene at the end where Bruce pulls Courtney Cox up onto the stage. It was before she was obviously went on to fame and fortune uh, as uh, Monica Geller on Friends, among other roles. But that was her, her biggest role. Um, so the Billboard... Hot 100 singles in 1984. When Doves Cry, What's Love Caught to Do With It, Tina Turner, also from a music, from from a, 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 a movie soundtrack, right? Um, 
Say, say, say. Wow, Paul McCartney and, and Michael Jackson? Yikes. Love Sir Paul, not 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 his finest work. Not not his finest work for sure. Let's see. What else? Let's see. Let's see top alternative songs from 1984. Let's see what we got going on there. All right. This is a little bit more my speed. South Central Rain REM. Not a huge REM fan, but I like that song pretty well. Ghost in You, Psych First. Now, I actually have that song, so let's see. If I have these songs, I will play them, or I'll play snippets for it, of them for you. So let's go to, let's see, let's see if we can get Ghost in You by the Psych First. idea psychedelic first one of my favorite bands of all time i know my man justin loves the psych furs as well my boy johnny turpak pd derbs all big psych first fans richard butler of course the lead singer from the psychedelic furs and in fact if i'm not mistaken the psychedelic furs are releasing a new album i think their first one in over 20 years um but yeah always love the psych furs you didn't get the heavy british accent right I need just like Ryan. Fantastic. Love the Psych Furs. All right, let's see. I mean, their full name is the Psychedelic Furs, but that was Ghost in You, which is, I believe, off the Mirror Moves album. Really good album. Oh, okay, yeah. Here we go. People are people, Depeche Mode. This was a huge one. Also a big fan of the mode as well. Here it is.
Tremendous, just a tremendous song off the People Are People album. That, of course, the lead singer of Depeche Mode, Dave Gahan. Uh, yeah, just, you know, one of the classic synth pop alternative British groups uh, from the 80s, you know, into the 90s as well. Um, so that was one of the big songs from 1984. Let's see what else we got. Oh, Heaven Knows I'm Miserable Now by The Smiths. We'll throw that on there as well. Of course, Morrissey is the famous frontman. Johnny Marr, the almost child prodigy on guitar for the Smiths. And Andy Rourke and Matt Joyce, drums and bass. All right, here you go. Heaven Knows I'm Miserable Now by the Smiths. favorite lines of all time what she asked of me at the end of the day Caligula would have blushed listen I could do a whole show on the Smiths um one of the things I love about them is you know the lyrics right heaven knows I'm miserable now I was looking for a job and then I found a job heaven knows I'm miserable now but the music see what I always loved about the Smiths was that some of the lyrics not all of their songs but in, in a fair amount of their songs you know there's a fair amount of you know, you could say that they're depressing, some angst there, but the music is is exceedingly upbeat, right? You hear those Johnny Moore guitar riffs, and that, that's that's happy music playing underneath not so happy lyrics, and that that to me was the genius of that band in a lot of ways. Um, and in fact, the way that they 
made their songs. Morrissey wrote all the lyrics and Johnny Marr wrote all the music. So um, just a little side note. Like I said, I could definitely, I could do a whole show on the Smiths. And in fact, I may do that. Um, but that is going to do it for this week's edition of Jamal About Sports slash Jamal About Music. Hope you enjoyed it. I know it was something different. I feel, you know, in these in these times, trying times, stay safe, be well. Till next time, peace out.